Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Laura, for ministering in music. In light of the message of that song, life on this earth brings with it many joys, victories, but it also brings with it struggles and trials. And in the midst of it, reflect on the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, the love of God, but he walks with us. And his spirit ministers to us and our life is in Christ. And most of life, if not all of life, is lived day by day. Very little of it is lived inside the four walls when we worship together. And coming together is important, but most of life is lived outside. And his goodness, his mercy is at work within us. Let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your word. As we interact with a portion of it this morning, we want to be doers of your word and not hearers only. It's our desire to reflect Christ. For it's in his name I pray, amen. I have a bowl here with some water, and I put some soap in the water. I also have in this bag a dirty, smelly dishcloth. I'm going to put this dishcloth in the water, and if I remember, occasionally during our service, I will stir it. I'm just going to leave the dishcloth be with the water and soap for about 30 minutes. I also have here some sticks of wood, and if your imagination is good, I would like for you to imagine that these sticks of wood have been lit and they're burning. There is a fire. And while the fire is going with the proper tool, I would take the pieces of wood, pull them off the fire, and separate them. And I think that you know the obvious conclusion is that each piece of wood separated from the rest will go out, and you no longer have a fire. Think about that as we interact with God's word and look at some applications to scripture. Knowledge or hearing of scripture without application results in deception. James 2 or James 1:22 says, "Be you doers of the word and not hearers deceiving your own selves." And then he goes on to talk about the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. The written word, scripture, the living word, Christ, were given to not merely fill our heads, but to transform our lives. Scripture, the written word, being profitable for doctrine, rebuke, correction, and training in righteousness. And as we take the written word in dependency upon the living word Christ in our day-by-day living and apply it, we distinguish good from evil according to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 11. 
So this morning, we want to take some time and consider some application. What does something look like in our life that we've been discussing? Let's go to the Gospel of Mark for a few moments and review some and look at several parallel passages. Mark has communicated the importance of with, the 12 being with Jesus. And we find that down through the ages, God has also important, communicated the importance of being with down through the ages. Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 and verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Then skip down to verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. They're with him in the house. Look at chapter 4 and verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. This is the parable of the sower, but the twelve are with Jesus. Look at chapter 4 and verse 34. Chapter 4 and verse 34. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Look at verse 35. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Again, they were with Jesus. Look at chapter 5 and verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of Gennesaret. We find again, when they is referring to the 12 along with Jesus. Chapter 6 and verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. And when we get to chapter 6, Jesus has probably been with his disciples for almost a year. He has been with them. The passages that we looked at clearly communicate they were with Jesus. Now let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. When we get to Deuteronomy 6, we find that the children of Israel are about to enter the promised land. Moses is giving them some final instructions, reviewing the Mosaic law before they go into the promised land. And in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 1, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live, by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you. Now notice in verse 2, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God. 
Picking up with verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols in your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Seems to be talking about life, day by day living. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. 20th or 21st century paraphrase. Talk about them when you're driving. Talk about them when you're working together at home, perhaps doing dishes. As you're getting ready for bed. And as you're sending your kids off to school in the morning. Deuteronomy 6, Ephesians 6, 1 Thessalonians 2, 6 through 12, would talk about parents being with their children. Being with their children. Let's go back to the New Testament, Acts. In the first book after the four Gospels, Acts. Chapter 20, we find that Paul is speaking to the elders in Ephesus. Paul had ministered in Ephesus. The elders left Ephesus and came to see Paul as Paul was traveling in a town nearby. And in Acts 20, we find that Paul is giving them some instructions. We'll pick up with verse 25 of Acts chapter 20. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock. And again he is speaking to the elders of Ephesus. Keep watch over yourselves and the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from among your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to destroy or to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. He says, keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over the flock and be shepherds of the flock. Now he's speaking to church leaders and he uses an analogy of a sheep and shepherd. A shepherd caring for sheep. And if you know anything about caring for sheep in the Old Testament or in Bible times, we know that caring for sheep involved the shepherd being with the sheep. 24-7. And the shepherd would observe the sheep. He would know if a problem came up. He would sense that if something was wrong, if one strayed. But he was with, or she was with the sheep. When the psalmist says, David, as a sheep 
says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What's he talking about? He's the sheep. The Lord is his shepherd. Why doesn't he not want? Because the Lord is with him, walking with him, with him as a pattern of life. Again, 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4 also would talk about elders shepherding the flock, being with them in day-by-day living. We won't turn to Romans 12 or 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 or Ephesians 4, but we find that those passages emphasize believers being with believers, being dependent upon one another. So as you study Scripture, there seems to be an emphasis upon with. Parents with children, sheep, shepherd, with one another, believers with one another, Christ with the 12, equipping them to send them out in ministry, which Mark chapter 6, we'll get to in the next week or two, talks about. God's pattern for training to live well in the world seems to involve being with others, to observe, to be taught, and to use what is observed and to be taught in day-by-day living. Ruth and I have been married a little over 40 years. And Dad never gave me too many lectures on how to be a husband. He probably should have given me more than he did. But he didn't give me very many lectures on being a good husband. But I spent enough time with him to learn what and what not to do. Just by being with him. Dad and Mom never argued that I know of in my presence. I didn't say they didn't argue. I said in my presence. But I knew when there was an issue involved because supper was like this. So Orb would say, Bob, how was school today? And Bob would say, fine. And I'd say, Dad, what do we have to do tonight? Work. How was your day, Mom? Okay. I learned by just being with. My wife wants more than one or two words. And when we have a conflict, she wants some communication, not silence. Just by being with. Merely being together falls short of God's desire. There must be action by design. If you knew anything about my dad, he was a very vocal man when it came to farming and auctions and so on. He was a very silent man when it came to relating to my mother. That's just who he was, not criticizing or anything else, just that's who he was. I was with him enough that I learned 
that you don't have to talk a lot to a wife, your wife. I wish he would have set me down and said, Dan, I've never talked a lot to your mother, but women love to be talked to and listened to. So take her out on a walk or a date sometime and just listen to her. Say, honey, what's going on in life? And two hours later, you can ask another question. And I don't say that in a negative way. And when she asks how your day is or how it went, don't say fine. Elaborate. At least try to get out 50 or 100 words. Now, Dan, I'm going to demonstrate that for you. Now, tonight at supper, just watch how I interact with your mother. I taught you. Now I want to demonstrate it. So we sit down to supper, and Dad says, uh, Hey, Orpha, what'd you do today? You know, what'd you struggle with? When we get done supper, Dad says, Boy, good answer, Orpha. See, being with, teaching, guiding, Jesus is with the 12. What is he doing? He's living his life out. He's doing ministry. He's caring for people. He's healing the sick. But then he also takes them aside. As chapter 4 says, he told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. The Gospels are very strong on Jesus being with the twelve. There is no real equipping apart from being with, as we discussed above. Just being with. You know, with someone. So you and your child have some chores that need to be done. Rather than sending them their way, and you go your way, you do them all together and talk, or maybe do some talking, or he gives them some guidance on how to work. Maybe rather than always having them on a sports team, you take some time to play together as a family or several families in the neighborhood just to be with, to play together. Or a lady may say to some other lady who has just recently come to Christ, come on, let's spend some time together. You enjoy shopping, I enjoy shopping. Let's shop together. And in the process of shopping, you get to talk about clothing design. You get to talk about modesty. You get to talk about how much you spend, why you spend what you don't spend. And it becomes a time of with and how to live in day-by-day life. The 12 are with Jesus, not at the high points of life. They're not with him merely in the synagogue. They're with him in the middle of a storm. They're with him when his mother and brothers come to get him because they think he's crazy. He's going out of his mind. They're with him when he has taught the crowd of 5,000 and then the They're hungry. They've been with him for three days and they don't have anything to eat. 
They see how he responds. They see how he responds when he is being accused incorrectly. He's equipping just by being with them, but also interacting with them. With them seems to involve intentional instruction and opportunities to apply. Not just coasting, just saying, well, we at least we're together. We tend to become like those we are with. We tend to become like those we are with. Jesus spent time with the 12. And we know that the Spirit of God came and lived with them and worked in their lives. And God worked in their day-by-day living after Christ ascended to heaven. But they were with him for three years. With in life is critical. Chip was telling me, this goes back a couple weeks ago, dealing with the wrestling team, I think it was a wrestling team, that they went hiking together. Now that's different than wrestling. Now, hiking together, another aspect of life. Maybe I ought to bring him over to his house and say, let's do some work together. <laughs> you know, but with the whole idea of with. Now, my comments that are going to follow are merely coming from the fact that we live in an imperfect world. The enemy, Satan, works to pull us apart from each other in marriage, in parent-child relationship, as believers. He lures us to live individualistic, independent lives. I think this began in the garden in Genesis 3. The result many times is losing the next generation or future generations. The enemy wants to pull apart. We live in a world that is constantly bombarding us to pull apart. We can live well, we can live godly in a world that is constantly bombarding us to pull us apart because of Christ at work in us. So some things I'm sharing as examples are just the world in which we live in. I'm not saying all this has to change or anything else. I just want us to see that we live in a world that pulls us apart from being with. Our world has jobs where shifts are constantly changing. You work one shift one time, you work another shift the next day or the next week. They may keep us from worship. They may keep us from family. There may be long hours. Sometimes a job may pull us away from our family. We actually move out of an area. And I'm not being critical of anything. I'm just saying that's the world in which we live. School will pull parents and children apart. I'm not criticizing school. I'm not knocking school. That's not my point. That's just life. Sports, apart from parents, 
apart from other ages many times, and apart from believers. I'm not criticizing sports. I'm not knocking sports. I'm just saying that pulls apart. Technology can also pull us apart. You know, we have our music, our style, so everyone has their own radio or iPod. You can all be together, but yet you're apart. I'm not knocking music. That's not my point. I'm just saying that's the world in which we live. You can have a TV, and you may have several TVs in the whole the same house so that you can all watch what you want together but apart. You can have a computer or you know handheld games and you can be together but you're apart. Again, I'm not knocking this stuff. I'm saying that's the world in which we live. We text. I'm not saying texting is wrong. It's not my point. But after a while, we text more than we talk face to face. And that may have a consequence. We're tempted to be busy. Each family member or each believer going a different direction, maybe jobs, maybe sports, maybe 4-H, maybe scouts, maybe friends, but we're going different directions. The TV, DVDs, we may watch, but there's no communication. You're just sitting, we're going to watch this together and two hours later, and I'm not knocking watching something together as a family. That's not my point. We start to school younger and younger, talking to Abby and Rachel. I think it was Abby and Rachel the other night, and they said about going to kindergarten. Oh, I said, Pappy was smart enough he didn't have to go to kindergarten. (laughs) They didn't have a kindergarten, (laughs) at least not at our school, you know. But again, I'm not knocking kindergarten. That's not my point. I'm just saying we live in a world that seeks to pull us apart. The body of Christ, we can have activities that pull the family apart. We can run four or five nights a week, depends on the church, or two or three. Services can divide. You know, where kids go one way and where parents go a different way and where teens go a different direction. We can have children's church or service styles. Well, young people like this service style. The older people like this service style. So we'll have two services. Different music styles. So we'll have different types of music. And again, divide. And I'm not knocking all of this. That's not my point. I just want you to realize that we live in a world where we're constantly being pulled apart as families, as believers, as shepherd and sheep, and so on. The primary design of God of Christ seems to be to be with others intentionally to equip them to live in dependency upon the Lord 24-7 I can't tell you fully how that looks in your life I can't tell you fully how that looks in my life We seek God, we seek Christ, we seek the Spirit as to how to live in our current world to be with others. A couple thoughts in relation to that. And you'll have to figure this out for yourself. Couples, families, getting off the fast track so they can live all of life together, not merely bits and pieces here and there. You know where you are. You'll have to figure out how to live with. Our culture is pulling us apart. 
but we need to be with others, whether it be family, <clears throat> whether it be believers, whether it be a new believer with an older believer, just being with. I'm not knocking the culture in which we live. We just need wisdom maybe in saying, maybe I need to say no to this. Maybe we need to say yes to this. How about a family business where the family can be involved in the business? And that's not for everybody. I'm just running some thoughts. How about a community garden? If you're into gardening, don't do it yourself. Get a couple of families together and just be with one another and garden. Again, I'm just throwing out some thoughts. Extended family community projects. So Al and Charlotte give their kids a call and say, come on, get all the kids and grandkids, and we're going to have a... We're going to help widow so-and-so on this Saturday just to be with others. Again, just throwing out an idea. How about a multi-family mission trip? One of the highlights of <clears throat> past was when our entire family went to the Dominican Republic along with Karen, who was not our daughter-in-law yet. You know, just Jason and, were you there, Jason, or was Chris there? Pardon? Jason was there for the summer, but we were all together, you know, just did a lot of things together, not merely build a chapel. About a business owner hiring several teens over summer so that a teen can be with him, her, to work, to learn how to work, just hospitality. You know, we do things in our homes that we don't do elsewhere. You know, we seem to talk differently in our homes than we do here in church. It's not wrong, it's just a different atmosphere. You know, just opening homes and being together. How about a community sports team? Round up a group of people and say, let's just get together and play. You say, all we're doing is playing together. Well, you're with someone. How about adoption? Some of you have done that. Tremendous way to impact a child for their entire life. And the same thing with foster care. Tremendous way to impact children who have come out of difficult backgrounds. How about an intergenerational activity? Get the old folkies together and get the young folkies together and those in between and just have a good time. On the lighter side, but maybe not lighter side from my mom's perspective. Mom, Ruth and I were dancing, my mom one time, and she was whining and saying some things about what was happening in uh, her church. And she said, can you believe that us older people were called the old farts? <laughs> and I said, mom, I'm not sure that was a good terminology or not. But her struggle was not the terminology as much as she felt like they old People were being put in a category of all their own. They're not to interact with the younger. We'll have something for the older people, and that's where they're to stay. She don't think she's old. She wants to be with younger people. She enjoys being with younger people. I think she has much to contribute to middle-aged people. Just something intergenerational. You say, what is it? I don't know. You figure that out. You're going to go out and fly a kite? Are you going to go out and help someone in the community? 
Maybe we're going to cook together. How about family or multifamily bill paying? You say, why pay bills with someone? So that kids learn how. Intergenerational families discuss, pray, ask questions, talk about child rearing. And I'm not talking a formal setting where you have some type of lecture. We can study the Gospel of Mark, and over and over you will see that Jesus is with the twelve. You can read Deuteronomy 6. He talks about parents being with children. We can talk about sheep and shepherd, shepherd being with the sheep. But unless we live it, we struggle. See, if you take all these sticks and you put them back together, and by this time the fire has gone out, but you put them back together, and two or three of these sticks are believers who are maturing in the faith, more mature in the faith, who are loving God, and they're just being with other people, parents who are striving to walk with God, with their kids, what happens? The fire burns. just because they're with. Now this washcloth, the water's a little dirty. It didn't get totally clean. But by spending a little time with that water and soap, some of it came out. Still kind of yucky, I know, to put it in the washing machine. Now be with water in a little different way with a little more direct agitation. (laughs) What'll happen? It'll get cleaner just by being with. Think about life with others results in maturity. I can't answer for you fully how that totally looks in your life. I'm encouraging us as a body of believers to pray for one another, to encourage one another how we can be with others to live in dependency upon Christ with the Spirit of God at work in us to help others to live in dependency upon Christ. Let's pray together.